to the podcast Story Pod with Nishila. In this show, you can tune into stories from amazing people across the world. Through these stories, you will listen to ideas that matter, real-world insights, and positive inspiration. I am Nishila Murthy Koshik, Chief Marketing Officer at HFS and your host for this podcast. In the series The Shiro Diaries, you will listen to stories of women leaders across the globe, their personal life and career journey, choices and decisions which influence them, and reflections from these experiences. Are you ready for stories that can change your life? My guest for today's podcast is Catherine Payne. Catherine has been in the management consulting industry for 30 years, mostly focused on oil, gas and chemicals. She recently retired from Reach Enterprises Inc, an independent consulting firm she started when she was 35. Prior to that, she was vice president at Capgemini. Her specialty is in change management and multinational projects where she enjoys leading diverse groups to achieve complex goals. She lives in Tennessee and enjoys hiking, water skiing, yoga and art. Welcome to the show Catherine. It's wonderful to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invitation. Catherine in the first segment of this podcast which I call Know Your Shiro the focus is on talking about you. We'd love to hear a little bit about the back stories around the influence of family upbringing and education and your career journey. Let's dive right in. My first question Catherine is really about me getting to know you uh, a little better uh, and I wanted to start by asking you uh, a fun and interesting way to do this. Um if you had to describe yourself with adjectives which start with the letters of your name what would they be and why Catherine um uh, so it starts with k and for that i would say i'm keen and by that i mean en- enthusiastic you really can't mobilize people if you're a deadpan so you have to find ways to muster up your enthusiasm or approach it in a different way until you can so second letter is a and for that i would say articulate communication is very important to me if you think about it everything we've ever done in our life or ever thought in our life started with communication even if it happened at a cellular level it's communication so to do almost anything to excel at almost anything you have to find your way of communicating so articulate would be my second one tactical is my third one i say that because i really enjoy taking a strategy and figuring out how to translate that into a workable business. So I'd like to take complex things and then figure out the multitude of ways that you have to get yourself organized and people organized, activities, etc. to get that done. H, I would say happy because who wants a sourpuss on the team? And since you can change or you can choose your attitude, I figure you might as well choose to be happy. And if you can't be happy, then change in some way. uh r kathryn r well i'm recently retired so i think my r word would actually be reinvented even though this is the first time i've re- retired in the classic sense i would say that we all retire from different phases in our life at one time or another and move on to something else and my advice would be just that to anyone if they sense that it's time to make a change then just do it retire from whatever the last thing was move on to the next and reinvent yourself. 
So reinvention. Why? I would say uh, yes, or can do oriented is my why adjective. It's sort of the same thing as happy. Uh, you have to choose your attitude. And so my attitude is to try to approach things with the idea that it can be done. When you feel yourself closing to an idea at any given time, you have to notice it and mentally uncross your arms long enough to hear an idea unfold and then force yourself to be open, say yes, and then somehow just the right things fall right in your lap. The last letter is N, and I'm just going to ask you to forgive my misspelling, but I'm going to say intuitive. In general, I trust my instinct and and I advise others to trust theirs as well. If it feels right or wrong, it usually is. So just go with, with what your general instinct is and trust it. There you go. Wonderful. You, yeah, wonderful. You made it through the whole name. Uh, I specifically like intuitive, uh, yes, and happy. They're also such positive, upbeat, and wonderful words uh, to live life by, to navigate career by, and uh, just generally to look at the world uh, with. So thank you for sharing that little uh, view into you uh, from your lens. Um, so Catherine, my next question is, uh, you know, around um, one of the most important, uh, I guess, influences in all our lives, which is family. Uh, if you look at your own childhood, what do you think was the role of your family in shaping your outlook to life and where you stand today? Well, Nishala, I'm very lucky to have had a, a strong and supportive family. So I'll just you know, start with that. I have a lot of gratitude for that. My family stressed education early on. Uh, entrepreneurism uh, ended up being a pretty important thing in my family. My dad started, he, he worked for General Electric when I was young, but he started his own business right before I entered college. And my mom was very supportive in that by going back to work herself. She'd been a teacher early in her career and then raised family and then went back to work when, when he uh, started his business. And I look back on that now as an adult and just realize how stressful that must have been with three kids about to enter college. You just know that had to be a stressful time for them, and they did it anyway. Uh, my dad and mom, of course, always had pearls of wisdom, but... Uh, my dad in particular had one pearl of wisdom that he shared often, probably mostly when we were being grumpy. Uh, but he used to say, if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say it at all. And I think that's generally a good rule to have. Uh, you spend a lot of time in the hallways in a corporation listening to people uh, gossip and talk. And uh, in general, I found that to be a good byline. If you can't say something nice, just don't say it at all doesn't mean that you can't disagree with somebody or have healthy discourse, but you don't have to be rude and critical. And then my mom is a very happy, enthusiastic, supportive, and encouraging person. So I really credit her with a lot of the adjectives I use to describe myself. I appreciate that in her. And so I really tried to emulate it even still. That's wonderful. It seems like you're um, the perfect uh, blend of 
the best of both your parents and uh, i think that's always wonderful right to to uh, look at the um the you know the attributes and the um sort of you know behaviors and the wisdom of our parents and you know imbibe them uh, as we grow into adults so that's that's wonderful um katrina i'd love for you to now talk a little bit about your professional journey uh, i know you've had an interesting path at work so if you had to just just look back at the the professional years or the work years um you know any any reflections thoughts highlights that you would like to share and talk about well nisha i thought a li- little bit about this since we started talking about it and in hindsight i would say that my career unfolded in three general stages and and now my bet is that most people's career probably unfold this way And the first phase I would just say was about learning about my own likes and dislikes experimenting with different jobs and trying to pin down what it is I particularly enjoy about this job and what it is that I don't really like and doing that in succession until finally you kind of invent a career that you think you'd really enjoy so that's just let's call that the learning stage the second stage is mastering your trade And then the third stage is finding a way to do it yourself, uh do it your own way really and uh enjoying every minute of it. So if I look at that first phase, the learning phase, my first degree is in chemistry. And so I started as a chemist doing product development in an oil field services company and somewhere around year 4, I I earned a patent. And the funny thing about getting a patent was that my my perspective and and career at the time seemed like it had shrunk to the size of a molecule suddenly i was expected to be an expert in this one particular technology i even thought about going back to get my phd and really becoming an expert in that particular technology uh but i realized after pursuing that for a little while that that just wasn't what gave me joy i didn't want to be a, an expert um in that way i didn't want to be you know an inch wide and a mile deep that i enjoyed things that were much broader than that and i really wanted to work internationally so i went back and got my uh, mba but one thing that i learned while i was a chemist is that i really enjoyed projects i liked to have a big challenge and have to work on it work on it work on it until you achieve it and so that was a takeaway from that particular part of my career Then I moved on and went to a chemical company and moved into sales and marketing. I did enjoy the creative side of marketing. I did not enjoy the repetitive nature of sales, but I did enjoy the travel. So those were some of my takeaways and I still wanted to work internationally. It wasn't happening at that time uh with that company and so I knew that I had to move on and Oddly enough, I uh, I started a little side business that I would do on the weekends and on vacation time doing due diligence work for venture capital firms. And that was the first time I ever even thought of consulting. It just hadn't been on my my radar screen as a a real job. Uh but I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed doing the research. I enjoyed looking at these entrepreneurial ideas and figuring out what would make them tick. And several of my clients uh encouraged me to quit my sales and marketing job and start this business in earnest but you know what I didn't know how to do it I didn't I couldn't figure out how to make enough money doing it I didn't know how to charge for my services I didn't know how to plan a project 
And honestly, I didn't have a good feel for the scale of uh, business that they could support. So I decided to go into consulting and just get a little bit of experience. And then I could go back and start that business later in earnest. So I'm going to call that the end of my learning phase because it opened the door to consulting. And that's when I entered the consulting business. And eight years later, I just was still doing it. And I was a vice president by that time. And when my venture capital clients would call me and ask me to come do some of this work, I would just say no, because I had found my niche and I really enjoyed it and was continuing to get better at it. So I spent eight years working uh, for Capgemini and its and its precursor firms that uh, were acquired over time and really, really enjoyed that work. And then one day, I just, uh, I can't exactly put my finger on why, but I stopped uh, enjoying it. I think I just burned out too, too much international travel by that point, um, just too many hours, uh, and I felt disconnected. In fact, kind of a funny or eye-opening story when right before I left was that I was on a plane in between countries, a long flight and tired and realizing that I wasn't having fun anymore. And I took out a piece of paper and I wrote at the top of that page, so why do you stay? And I quickly, without thinking, wrote down my top three answers. And the answers were money, power, and prestige. I realized in that moment um, that I had gone wrong somehow. How did those three words become my most important words? Uh, I don't care really about any of those three things. So I realized I had to quit, even though I didn't really have a plan. So without a total plan, I quit my uh, my job at Capgemini and decided I would do a little independent consulting while I decided what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. and. Of course, 25 years later, I was still doing that. So apparently I found it and uh, I really enjoyed uh, having my own business. I enjoyed the flexibility over my life. I enjoyed the control over approach or even flexibility over approach. So um, somehow I found it. I stumbled into it. So we'll call that the the last phase, the phase of just uh, doing it my way and enjoying every minute. That's wonderful, Catherine. Thank you for... um sharing your journey in uh, such a authentic and reflective way that we can all join uh, to it. And uh, I love the way you put a structure to it, uh, which is uh, wonderful uh, for anybody to think about their own careers. Um, that brings us to the end, Catherine, of the first section. Uh, and um, it was wonderful to know you a little bit more uh, to hear about your, your life and your career journey. next segment of our podcast is what I call leadership, diversity and inclusion and skills. Uh, in this, Catherine, we talk unfiltered on how to build diverse and inclusive organizations. So you've been in the industry for a very long time and you've probably seen the industry evolve uh, in terms of, you know, diversity and inclusion and, uh, uh, you know, how, how organizations have taken different initiatives to enable and, um, you know, uh, drive some of these um, uh, within, their, within, within the companies. Uh, but unfortunately, as an outcome of the global pandemic, we are all experiencing uh, a she session, which is a term used to 
describe the negative effect of the pandemic on women's participation at the workforce. So what are your observations of the situation on the ground in terms of in terms of gender diversity? Uh, the pandemic is a was still is a real changer. It's really changed the way we all think and the way we approach work and our lives, what's important, I believe. For me, the pandemic was the final nail in my career journey. I just concluded during that time that life was too short. And I'm very lucky to still have my mother with me. And I really don't want to miss any of her irreplaceable final years here on earth while I travel from place to place doing something that is replaceable. (laughs) So for me, I used the pandemic as a way to make my final decision to go ahead and retire. I was on a conference call in in my final project after the pandemic hit, and we spent every waking moment on conference calls. That's just what work became. And after all of those conference calls, everyone went about doing their normal work afterwards. And as you know, no, no doubt experienced the same thing. Dogs interrupted and kids interrupted and doorbells interrupted and homeschooling demanded time and attention and work demanded even more time. And I remember one of my client friends saying that she felt like a failure both at work and at home. And you know what? She was a rock star and she felt like a failure. And I find that just completely heartbreaking. The fact that we couldn't figure out how to balance the needs of work and business and technology and all of those things and still, you know, have a a life that you can live with. So it's very transformational for me. Wonderful. It's it's interesting you spoke about this, um, the story around uh, balancing uh, work and, uh, you know, life. Uh, and, you know, that's obviously a real challenge for most of us, uh, you know, uh, whether we are, um, you know, working mothers or, you know, just working professionals or working women. Uh, so I'm just curious to know in your in your experience and from what you've seen as a consultant, what do you think organizations can really do to make to build more diverse and inclusive workspaces. What are those important, let's say, one or two or three uh, agenda points that become critical for ensuring long-term progress on these indexes? Well, the first thing on my list would be get more women leaders. Uh, It's way, way better, of course, than when I started my career. It was very unusual to see a woman in the C-suite, and now it's much better. That's way more common but I still believe we can do better. And I think women are particularly suited for this stage in our history uh, because I believe a woman has uh, a unique ability to adapt and to multitask and to care deeply about balance between the various aspects of our, our life and our duties to those various aspects of life. So I just think a woman is, as a leader is likely to be open to and find solutions for this next phase. The second thing is more flexibility because families have odd schedules and duties are split uh, almost in all families nowadays between both the, the husband and wife, man and woman. And, uh, woman and woman, man and man, however it might be. 
and expectations are changing. So if corporations don't find a way to enable flexibility and still enable productivity, then they're going to fail. It's funny, I, I look back on my career when I was having, well, let's call it my, my crisis of worn out and, just, and my money power and prestige stage when I needed to change. I had gone to my, I realized that one of my problems was that I just didn't have any flexibility in my life. I was working eight days a week and 50 hours a week or 50 hours a day, it seemed like. And um, I just didn't have any flexibility to change that. And I went to our HR and I had kind of conjured up a, a mechanism where people could have, uh, could work sabbaticals into their career. I realized that's what I needed, a way to recharge and to, you know, even come up with new ideas. And really, they just laughed me out of the place. So it was an idea way before its time. It didn't work at all in my lifetime, but I do think that it will work in, in the careers of my nieces and nephews. So power to them. I hope it comes true. And the next thing is technology, because we're not going to be able to pull off what I just said without uh, better technology and better use of technology. And that's happening. We can see it happening even now. You and I are doing it from Tennessee and, and India. <laughs> so it's happening and it'll continue to happen. And then the final thing I just alluded to, and that would be updated HR management policy. Because really, why do we work five days a week, eight to five or generally longer for 12 months a year with a few weeks of vacation? Why, why don't we have more fungible work schedules? And how do we manage the realities of that? One of the barriers I ran into so many years ago when I tried to create this more flexible, fungible work schedule was just the realities of uh, corporate costs, like uh, healthcare costs, for instance, are often associated with uh, the number of employees, as taxes are, the number of employees you have, uh, salary levels, um, realities of a particular job duty, et cetera. So there are practical barriers to being able to pull off um, more flexibility in, in our work schedule. So those HR management policies have to be updated in order for it to work. Wonderful. Uh, so, so, you know, um, you're talking about having more women in leadership positions, uh, using technology as an enabler uh, or a catalyst for providing opportunities uh, and, uh, you know, look at, uh, you know, designing HR policies, uh, you know, which are which are probably more in tune with the with the demands of the 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 workforce or talent uh, and basically look at flexibility as an important lever uh, all very valid points and all i think important for organizations to think about and consider as they look at creating uh, stronger and more definitive steps to move the index on diversity and inclusion within their own enterprises uh, i'd like to now shift the focus to the to the women themselves right uh, while organizations can do their uh, part in terms of putting together processes, policies, structures, uh, technology. What do you think are some of the things that women can do themselves uh, to really, you know, um, develop their own skills and their and their potential? What would be, let's say, the top two or three skills that you feel every woman should consciously strengthen as she moves up or moves forward in a corporate career? Okay, I have three that I think are really very important. And the 
The first one I'm going to call Kiss the Dragon. And by that, I mean, you have people and situations in your life and career all the time that let's just say they seem like barriers or they're uh, in your way in some some way, or they're just standing in the way of progress or however you might want to put that. They're generally people and situations that you and others around you are kind of afraid of. And those are the dragons. And you have no choice. If you want to make progress, you have to go kiss that dragon. You have to address and embrace the people or the situations that you fear. Behind that dragon is growth. So by kissing the dragon, you're going to learn something. Chances are you're going to be able to free up whatever was trapped. (laughs) You're likely to come up with a better solution, and you're probably going to make a new friend. So usually behind the dragon, so go kiss the dragon. The second one is to look over the horizon. You have to observe what is rising and what's setting. And then you have to think as creatively as you can about the trajectory and what it implies for people, markets, processes, and technology. And then you have to go about building the future. So the main thing is just open enough to see what is rising. And these are usually sort of the the new things that haven't completely adopted yet. And then what's setting? And those are usually the things that people have been practicing forever and ever, hard and fast. We've always done it this way, rules of what has worked. And, uh, and someplace in between those two is the current reality moving in the direction of whatever's rising. And then the third thing, I'm just going to say love people. Our jobs as leaders and really as friends and parents and, and whatever, but you know, our jobs as leaders, since that's what you and I are talking about, is to unleash the unique aptitudes and interests of the people around us and to help them shine. So in the short run, that's how work gets done. In the long run, it's what creates a relationship and, and a thriving friend and employee and future leader. And in the end, relationships are the only thing that lasts. Are the products of our work, they're going to come, they're going to go. But the people who influenced us and those we influence last for years. In 10 years, or when you're retiring, you'll look back on your career and you, you won't even remember the very specific work you were doing at any given time. Uh, in fact, by that time, most of what you've done will have been replaced by something else. But I guarantee you, you will remember the people and you will remember the people who influenced you. So. Uh, you know, make the memory worthwhile. Love people. I love that point, Catherine. I think you're so right. At the end of the day, what we take away from um, our workplaces, which are more long lasting, are the relationships and, uh, you know, just the joint shared experiences that we've had with the people that we work with. So uh, I think I think the key point for anyone listening in is that, you know, recognize that, you know, those relationships and uh, that you that you and those connections you form with people are important and uh, look at ways to to strengthen them and I'll also you know uh, go back to the first point that Catherine made uh, uh, where she said that if you don't have anything nice to say to people then you know don't say anything so I think that's a very very important mantra of our uh, actually building strong relationships uh, you know that 
you need to kind of you know you know know when to speak up and when to shut up and sometimes that can make all the difference in whether a relationship lasts a lifetime or or fades away so thank you so much Catherine for sharing that with us and you know Nisha I want to just add something because when I you know make the point about uh, loving people and that that's what you're gonna you're gonna remember your relationships I don't want to imply that I don't think the products of our work are important. Uh, yes, I think they're going to be replaced at some point, but the products of our work are, that's our mechanism for expressing our creativity. That is our mechanism for solving the problems of today, even though tomorrow will produce new problems to be solved. That's our mechanism for touching our world. It's also our mechanism for creating those deep relationships. So uh, I look back on my career and I'm super grateful for the opportunities I had to work on what I worked on, even though today I realize much of that has been replaced with something newer and better and more relevant for today. I still appreciate having um, had the, the outlet for creativity and relationship building. So, you know, enjoy the work and do the work and produce wonderful things and don't fret over the fact that it's replaceable. Who cares? Because the relationship that came out of it, um, it isn't replaceable. That's that's perfect. And the work that you did was an outlet for creativity, which is just fantastic. Wonderful. Thank you for, for adding that to Catherine. And that brings us to the end of our second segment of the podcast. The last segment is my personal favorite, and this is really um, a rapid fire round where we would love to hear quick and quirky responses from you. Um, are you ready? Yes, go. Wonderful. So what is the last book you read and uh, what did you take away from that book? Oh, the last book I read was The Book of Unknown Americans by Cristina Enriquez. It's a novel about immigrants from Mexico and South America into the United States and basically their motivations and sacrifices, hardships and rewards. And my takeaway was gratitude uh, and admiration. Gratitude for the, the freedoms, the wealth, the education I enjoy in the country of my birth and admiration for those immigrants. I had to ask myself as I read this, would I have the courage and commitment to drop everything I know, move to a foreign country and culture where I could not speak the language, accept a job well below my skill level and education level because it's all I could get, work in a crowded, dark warehouse pulling mushrooms out of the dirt and coming home smelling of rotten vegetables, as one of the main characters did, live in a dirty, cold shelter with furniture I scavenged from the street, all to get my daughter into a school that could help her. And I'm embarrassed to say, I do not think I'm that courageous. But holy smokes, there are people who do that every day. So uh, admiration, that's probably the main thing I took away from the book. Wow. Yeah, gratitude and admiration, both powerful, um, you know, sort of takeaways from any experience. So I'm sure, I'm sure it left a lasting impression on you, Catherine. Um, my next question is a little different. Why do you think women should have girlfriends? Oh, wow. My heart beats an extra beat of gratitude just because you posed that question. Uh, who understands us better than our girlfriends? Uh, who lets us cry on their shoulder? Who calls our bullshit 
quicker than a girlfriend. Who do you call when you're bored or tired or hurt or happy and excited and celebrating? Who do you listen? Who do you call when you need somebody to lend you an ear or to talk when you need to hear? Uh, all I can say is thank thank God for girlfriends. Absolutely, Catherine. So for anyone who is listening in, I think you know. Uh, there's a special bond and place that your girlfriends have in your life. So hold them close to your heart and uh, obviously nurture them over the years because I feel you realize the true value of those relationships as you age. Uh, so yeah, it is important to keep them close to your heart and make them a priority in some way, shape or form that you can. And you know what? Support your fellow women in your careers. Those are your your potential future personal girlfriends, but they're your career girlfriends too, and you need each other. And, um, you know, sometimes you see people sabotage each other and there's just no place for that. Support each other. I agree. I think that's a very, very important message that, um, you know, I think, I think lift each other up because the bonds of sisterhood um, are absolutely essential and critical in the, in the corporate jungle, as I call it. Uh, there are so few of us. So I think for those who are there, uh, I think we should be each other's cheerleaders, each other's, um, you know, sponsors, each other's ambassadors, each other's um, just, you know, sort of, you know, um, you know, um, you know, strength and uh, enablers. So, yeah, just that's important for anyone who is listening in. Um, Catherine, my next question is, who do you call first when you have a moment of success? Uh, and who do you call first when everything goes wrong? <laughs> well, I call my mom. She's still here. Or I call my husband when I have a mo moment of success. They both are um, supportive and happy for me, whatever it might be. And when everything goes wrong, um, I call uh, either my, my best girlfriend <laughs> or my husband or both. Wonderful. Yeah, I think I think we all who have... Um, people whom we can reach out to for sharing and celebrating good and bad. I think we're all fortunate because, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes just precious to share some of these things with uh, people whom we genuinely want to share these, our life and, you know, our, our, you know, precious moments with. So um, I think that's wonderful to hear. Uh, my last question of the, of the section, Catherine is which celebrity at live would you like to meet given a chance? I would pick Angela Merkel. She is remarkable in so many ways. She has staying power. She's been the chancellor of Germany since 2005. She's the de facto leader of the EU, probably the most powerful woman in the world. She has a doctorate in quantum chemistry. She was raised in Eastern Germany, and then she morphed into the most powerful leader, one of the most powerful leaders in the free world. She's unflappable. She's fantastic at building coalitions and emphasizes international cooperation. She's managed through economic crises. Uh, I just think she's a fantastic uh, leader and, um, and she's a woman to boot. So she's who I would pick. Wonderful, Catherine. I do hope someday, someplace you, you get to meet her and spend some time with her. And that brings us to the end of another wonderful, uh, inspiring and insightful episode of the Shiro Diaries podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.